Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the, the Gorgie Keith film pick of the week from 2003, Monster, directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, I took last week off due to some medical issues, but I am back for the most part. Still not 100%, but I'm here, guys, because I want to be back for the broadcast, because, of course... The Dean can't be here, so I'm back, so I'll take over from here. No more Dean of Horror, guys. The King is back. But before all that, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Goldie Keith. Hello, 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 hello. How are you all today? Uh, tonight is Talking Terrors Night to, to, to go to the Oscars, I guess. I guess that's what we're doing tonight. Tonight is an official movie night. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're going to figure out why later on in the show. Still don't get it to this day, but hey, listen, stranger things have happened. But either way, we'll get around to the award-winning uh, Fire Marshal Bill character played by Charlize Theron later on. We talk about Monster. Um, but of course, we're also joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, yeah, get fucky with the monkey. You got it, King. Hey there, Fred fans and Monster Maniacs. It is talking terror time, baby. Your go-to radio broadcast for all things creepy, nasty, and weird, and horror news, and horror movie reviews. Every Wednesday night, we are coming in your ears live from 9 to 11 p.m. For more listening and enjoyment, you can always listen to any of our hundreds. You heard that right, you little ghouls and ghosts. Hundreds of episodes on blog, talk, Spotify, and iTunes. You just remember to share the love of your favorite all broadcast by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Spotify and iTunes, baby. What is up, my friend family? Woo! Hey, monkey! Hey, goo! All right, got to keep it well, going. Got to keep that out of that. That's right. Mm. Well, I just, I just oh, want to get this out there real baby. quick, man. Real quick, yes. It's all about the positivity, and I just want to say, welcome back, King. Welcome back. No, thank you. I, I am very happy to be back. I know. A little bit of a setback last week, more of a setback this week, but I'm surviving, folks. It's going to take a lot more than what I got going on to keep me down. <laughs> Glad to be back with my boys of the Talking Terror podcast because we do have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about Bray Wyatt. I want to talk about Payback. But, Ghoul, Monkey, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we kick this show off? I'm cool, man. Let's get into this shit, man. We don't have Dean this week. That which means we are free to talk about wrestling news, baby. <laughs> ah. <laughs> good chunk of the show being taken over by wrestling because the Dean can't make it. It's always a good time because he knows there's always going to be wrestling comic book talk. Uh, but, yes, okay. Uh, so I want to 
started off with, with Payback first, because that was a recent pay-per-view on Saturday uh, that we all got to enjoy. Uh, quite a few matches on that card. Um, I happen to think it was actually a pretty good pay-per-view. Not the best, but uh, there were definitely some highlights, uh, including the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Judgment Day match, despite the outcome. Uh, but, Ghoul, what did you think about Payback? Uh, hmm. So, like, for starters, you know, for Payback, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I had zero idea that that pay-per-view was even coming on on Saturday until the monkey said what he said <laughs> in the chat Saturday morning. And he, uh, like, cause me and him were talking because I was trying to find out about you. I hadn't heard from you, uh, you know, with your, uh, with, your, with your current oversex problem that you have over there. Um, True. He knows yes. what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, like, I reached, yeah, I do. <laughs> I reached out to the monkey, and I was like, bro, have you heard from fucking, you know, from the king? I haven't heard from him. He hasn't fucking, you know, I haven't seen him looking at any messages in the group chat. I fucking text him a bunch of times. He won't answer me. Um, you know, so, so, so he told me what was going on. He gave me the heads up for everything. Uh, and uh, and then he was like, yeah, but he said and he's like, he said he'll definitely be be in the chat for the the pay per view tonight. And I was like, oh, there's a pay per view tonight. Uh, like Saturday, you know, I ended up having to like take a ride up to PA to drop my dad's truck off to him. That was a whole fucking ordeal because I went to like start the truck Saturday morning. The fucking truck didn't start. So I was like, oh, great, you know, this happened a week ago, too. So I just jumped it, got it started again, and I'm like, wow, man, she really doesn't sound all that great for a truck that's kind of been just sitting all fucking summer. Um, but I was like, damned if I'm not going to get this fucking thing up to my, my old man's house. So I got in that fucking rattly rust bucket and fucking started driving. And, you know, it was uh, two and a half hours of, of fucking fear. That's what it was, okay? It was like pushing and pulling, and I could feel it like wanting to just give out. And she would make like rattly noises every now and again. And I'm just like, come on, come on, just get me to my fucking old man's house because he can fix you however the fuck he needs to fix you. And, you know, I had hope, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it. Two hours, you know, we're deep in PA, we're getting up into the Scranton area, we're coming around the bend, and we're about to get onto six, and I know the home stretch is right there, just got to get down six, and that'll take me right into Carbondale, right to where he lives, I'm a half hour away, the fucking display dies on me, okay, the speedometer, everything <laughs> goes away, the fucking radio shuts down, I'm like... Oh, fuck me. Thankfully, the car just kept going, though, so she's still running. And I'm like, fuck this noise. I'm going to fucking just, I'm going to drive this fucking thing. Yeah, I'm within range, at least. I know if this thing dies now, he has some way to get a buddy to get this thing towed, or Bonnie's got the AAA. So, so one way or the other, we would get it to his house. I was just hoping not to have that happen. I had to get back in time to get one of the kids uh, to get back from work and, and all this and that. So, I mean... I get to the exit on the highway. There's like a stop sign over there. I see no cars coming. I'm like, I ain't fucking stopping. I'm afraid if I stop this truck, it ain't going to fucking want to start again. You know, so blow the stop sign right on through. Coming up to a light, the light turns red. Traffic starts to like creep on the other side. I'm like, fuck y'all. I'm pulling in front of you. Y'all can get as mad as you want about it. Uh, you know, and I'm, gl I'm glad I did because the fucking old lady with her shocked look on her face was like driving at a crawl because within like 
fucking 30 seconds, I couldn't even see her in my rear view anymore. So fuck be damned if I was going to get stuck behind all that nonsense anyway. So I somehow miraculously rolled this fucking vehicle into my old man's fucking driveway. And, you know, he uh, he looked at everything, sent me a picture later. I guess the fucking exhaust, like, rusted off. And there's a whole bunch of other shit going on. But he'll do his magic <laughs> and fix it up. You know, that's, that's why he has all these cars. But, uh, but yeah, aside from that, you know, as far as payback goes, you know, now that that part of the story is, I got home, was able to fucking, you know, do all these things and get there in time for payback. It was, uh, I don't know, I don't think it was the greatest of pay-per-views, you know, some some of the matches were all right, right but, uh, you know, the, 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 the one highlight was definitely the fucking, uh, what do you call it, match, man? You know, my brain's fucking going. Yes. Yeah, the hardcore match. You. The hardcore match. The actual hardcore match. The real, <laughs> yeah. actual The Steel City match. hardcore match. <laughs> yeah, they can call it whatever other fucking, you know, whatever alternative thing they want to call it. That's fine and dandy. But at least it was a real hardcore match. It wasn't that nonsense that they decided to put on SmackDown that night. You know, which was just a regular tag match, and then they're like, "Oh, well, we're gonna make it hardcore for Jerry Funk, man!" And ooh, look, we pulled out a weapon, but we're barely gonna use it. <laughs> we're really not gonna do shit, <laughs> nah, man. You know what, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, all them motherfuckers—they brought that shit. They brought it fucking hard, and I loved every fucking stinking minute of it, man. Blood, fucking, yeah, that shit was tits. Yeah, it's definitely a highlight. All right, Monkey, what do you think about payback? Yeah, same thing, man. It's like because again, it's like the the match started off, you know, again, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus in a cage match, and you know, I was talking to you guys about, oh my god, we're gonna have like you mm-hmm. know, two old, two two old hens here in a cage match. It's gonna be boring as fuck, you know, and you know, it, it was actually a pretty solid opener. You know, for the pay-per-view, but yeah, just like the ghoul had said, you know, ma- match of the night, and definitely probably like I, I think it's probably going to be like my match of the year was that fucking hardcore match. Holy shit! It's like it was fun. It was a nice long match. Th- there was just so much fan service for everybody. That uh, weapons of every kind, blood all over the place. Owens with that fucking mask going on, you know, it's like, you know, that was having a kept getting wiped off, you know, he had, had keep sneaking off screen and they had to have a medic wiping him off because it was just cu- coming down that hard, you know, fucking loved it. Oh, man, you know, uh, again, it's like, you know, the end, you know, was the end, you know, but again, that's because, you know, they're trying to, uh, excuse me, you know, have everyone dri- dripping in gold over there. You know, so, of course, they had to lose the belts. But still, though, oh, man, what a solid match. And, like, mad mad props to to Owens and Sami Zayn for, like, carrying that match, you know, taking all the hits, doing, you know, like, doing all the work and just making it a good, good, fucking solid, fun match that, you know, just, you know, gave me just chills from the Attitude Era, man. It was just so fucking cool. just to see that shit, man. <laughs> oh, it, it was. I mean, I think we were all in agreement. And even you were kind of blown away by Becky versus Trish in the cage. You didn't think it was going to be that good. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that really was fucking good. I'm like, see? 
<laughs> no, don't always expect expect you know what you expect. You gotta sometimes you know you know drop the expectations a little bit and hopefully you have a good match. But I honestly really enjoyed the Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura match until the end. I mean, the ending was a little bit weak, but to have Shinsuke back at strong style, you know, not doing his sloppy moves again. I mean, he was really landing some strikes. And it was a really good technical match. It's just until that ending, it was it was a pretty decent match. Yeah, uh, but th- that's kind of the problem though with Shinsuke though is you know you have to cater the matches to his style. So Seth Rollins was you know having to do a different style from Seth Rollins' normal style, and I guess they were playing that up by you know doing the whole injured back thing. He shouldn't be wrestling. My wife doesn't want me to wrestle. Oh, I shouldn't be here. I should be in the hospital because my back is so jacked up. You know, to slow him down because, again, Shinsuke is a great technical wrestler, but at the same time, technical wrestling doesn't exactly get you all the pops that you should, you know, have in a pay-per-view. You know, his style is cool and whatnot, but at the same time, it's, you know, it doesn't do enough for the people in the nosebleeds, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I still don't what do you understand think about that? Why Shins- I still don't understand why Shinsuke is in the WWE, to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. with you. His whole style, I mean, obviously, listen, the guy is, all intents and purposes, he's built to be a successful wrestler in Japan. You know, he could actually be a successful wrestler in AEW, um, where they are a little more open to that older style of striking and a little bit of technicality and blood, um, you know, where Mm -hmm. his strong style of attack could bust many people open, you know? Like, I feel like... Yeah, like, like Shinsuke always feels like there's so much potential in the character yeah. and, and, and in his abilities, and yet the WWE has never, ever really taken advantage of what this guy can do. Um, and it sucks, because I'm always waiting to see that match where I go, oh, this is why fucking they're so big on this guy. This is why he gets title shots. This is why they've kept him for so long. Like, I, I, I've still never seen a Shinsuke match where I'm like, holy shit, that was amazing. But I feel like it's there. I feel like it's in him. I just don't think it's ever going to come out of him in the WWE. Um, you know, that being said, no, the, the match wasn't terrible. Uh, just to go back a little bit, yes, the Becky and uh, Trish match, big surprise, was not expecting it to be such a, a back and forth between the two of them in the cage. I really thought Becky was going to mm-hmm. carry Trish and just basically let Trish toss her around the entire match, and then obviously Becky would pull the win. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, the uh, going back to the Shinsuke and Seth Rollins match, yeah, I mean, unfortunately that ending was kind of, uh, you know, because the match itself was decent, that ending was kind of kind of lame. And as far as Rollins with the fucking injury thing, man, I'm really tired of it. Every like yeah. the guy's entire career has been based on oh Seth Rollins has a knee injury that he now has to overcome oh Seth Rollins has a neck injury that he now must overcome 
Now it's a back injury that he must now overcome. It's like, come on, does this guy ever wrestle healthy? You know, like I feel like they're just always giving you that so that when he comes back and wins the match, you're going to be like, oh, it's just like Rocky. You know, he's surviving against all the odds, man. And it's like, look, the fucking guy, does he have fucking bumps, bruises, and injuries? Of course he does. Is his back really as bad as they're making it seem to be? Probably not if he's being tossed around a fucking ring and through <laughs> tables and shit like that. You know, so, like, enough. Enough with the fucking injury shit. That's like, oh, his knee is bad. I don't think he's going to be able to do the curb stomp. And then he does the curb stomp, but, oh, he falls down because, oh, he can't pin the guy because, you know, doing the curb stomp hurt his knee. Like, it's, it's just it's too repetitive with him. Oh, I, I completely yeah. agree, and I also think the same thing about the Judgment Day. I have no problem with the Judgment Day. I think they're a great heel faction, and I like that they can come swarming out like dogs at any point during a match and kind of ruin things. But it's like now you kind of have a problem because you just gave them the undisputed tag team championship belts. Fine, that's great. You know, change it up a little bit, give it away from Owens and Zayn. But now you have that problem where you know how everything's going to go from now on forward with their matches. They're not going to lose they're always going to have that Dom in the background or Rhea in the background or even J.D. McDonough in the background to come out and cause <laughs> some you... kind of chaos because they win. And it's going to get boring. It's said, already boring for me. When you said they always, they're always going to have that Dom in the background, I thought you meant Rhea. <laughs> I realized I meant well, they could. I mean, they're both kind of, I mean, she is kind of a Dom. But it's true. It's, just, it's, it's a melee faction. It's just... You know, it's going to get to that point where you're just going to know how it's going to go. You know, they're going to have a tag team match. They're going to be about to lose. And all of a sudden, Dominic and Rhea come out and Jaden McDonough. And all of a sudden, hey, we won. It's, I don't know. It's going to get boring, I think. I mean, it's already gotten kind of stale for me. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I was just like, it's kind of been over Judgment Day for a while. Yeah. It's just the same thing uh, over again. If I can, like, just, again, circle back again, again, to what the goal has said, again, sure. just back to the Becky, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus match. It's just, again, yeah. ma- mad props to the two of them, but just because until we saw the after effects of what they did to each other, holy crap, they literally oh, yeah. beat the shit out of each other because, the, you know, uh, Trish with her big, huge welt on her forehead. And then when they showed Becky Lynch, you know, post-interview, like, you know, half an hour later, and you could tell, like, they were trying to put ice on her face because, like, man, just just so swollen from them just bashing each other into the cages and stuff like that. I was not expecting that. But, yes, Did back to the judgment Trish's day. Is, later but, pictures, too? Trish posted some oh, no, no, yeah. like a two, <laughs> yeah. two days later. The fucking oh, yeah. bruise on her head is gigantic. It was like, holy fuck. Like a size of a soft oh, sh- yeah. Oh, shit, man. Uh, but, but, yeah, like you said, though, like with the factions, though, that, but that's always the case with the factions. It's like, look, look how long we've been putting it up with, with the uh, bloodline and all their fucking bullshit. You know, but it's just, you know, it seems to me like they're, everyone is just right now just trying to, you know, do NWO and how it yeah. was back in the day where constant interference, you know, they're always going to show up. You're never going to be able to do it. And and it's just what they need to do is honestly, like, especially Bloodline, because it has fucking run its course. It truly, truly needs to just implode and just go the fuck away. It... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think the traditional bloodline is gone, obviously. Jay is now officially on Monday Night Raw. Jimmy's on SmackDown with uh, Roman and, and Solo and Paul. But I think the traditional bloodline is gone. I don't think you're ever going to see that again. You know, you might see Jimmy pop up every now and then, but I think it's just going to be Solo, Roman, and Paul. And then Jimmy's going to kind of be on the outside helping out whenever he can. So it be interesting to see what they do with it. At least they're trying to do something different. At least they're trying to change it up a little bit. You know, the Judgment Day is still kind of fresh, so they're still kind of keeping it together. But I could see um, with the Money in the Bank being with Damian Priest, I could see some dissension going on because they did give him a new briefcase, the Senor Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, they also have the original one. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's something going on between Finn Balor and Damian Priest where he switches contracts on those cases. So when he goes to cash in... Oh... Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it now. I could be completely wrong. I'm writing it this way in my head. But, yeah, <laughs> if, I, if I'm right, I would love it. But that's the way I would book it, you know, if you really want to kind of break up that franchise, so, you know, that's uh, stable, that would be the way to do it, you know, switching up the contracts, you know, and all of a sudden, like, what? You know, so, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with, with, with all that. It's, see, it's the only, so only problem I have with that, though, is... is... Yeah. <sighs> if Damian Priest cashes in against Roman and he takes that belt, you're just giving mm. that belt to another faction. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, would have to you know what I wrong. mean. Which is, yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense is for him to do it against Rollins. And sure, it's still giving that belt to another faction. Um, but I mean, again, legitimately, if they really do want to, because. I'm sorry, I know Rollins' belt is supposedly, you know, a real championship belt and all this and that, and he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's a defending champion, and he's your, he's your wrestling wrestler. Uh, I still don't look at that belt as being a real belt, you know what I mean? It still feels very much like, <laughs> it feels like the secondary fucking title is what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like if really they do want to push Damian Priest, you make him take out Roman. It makes the most sense from a fucking standpoint of like, hey, yeah. you know, you know Roman when he goes to war with somebody, when he's fighting them, every one of his matches turns out to be like a shit show. You know, and by the end of that mm-hmm. match, even if Roman's winning, he's still fucked. You know what I mean? So the only thing you have to watch out <laughs> for at that point would be Solo and Paul Heyman. Um, being that, you know, you, you kind of, you, you got rid of Jay. And now, you know, we don't know where Jimmy's going to land. So, I don't know. But I have a so feeling Jimmy is just going to end up – I think he's going to lose the fucking the, – the box, to be honest with you. I think somebody's going to take yeah. it from him. Now, see, now that you bring that up, though, it would be cool to, if we could actually get a legitimate faction war between the two of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I could see it happening. But the bloodline's kind I mean, of it's, it's Yeah. There's really, if, I mean, yeah, like the Google Hotel guy said, you have to see where Jimmy lays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's imploded to the point where it's, it's, it's undecided what's happening with the bloodline. Obviously, you have Solo. He ain't going anywhere. You have Roman, obviously, but Jimmy's going to be the, the, the decider, you know, whether he decides to join back up or whether he's just kind of that guy on the outside, uh, like he did uh, last week on SmackDown, you know, where it's just like, I'm on right. the outside. I'll, I'll, I'll do the work, but I'm not really quite with you guys, really. Like, but I enjoy it, and I'll put the one up in the air because that's cool. 
you know, it's, you know, they just they I don't mean, really know what to do with him yet. I think they need to work on it. Yes, good. Yeah, because, I mean, again, look, he's, they are the Usos. They are, you know, arguably the greatest fucking tag team in WWE history. Um, oh, and I, yeah. I, you know what? I, I, have, I have zero problems saying that about them. I have always yeah. enjoyed them as a tag team. I feel like from a skill mm-hmm. standpoint, they're, all fu- they're both fucking great. I feel like from an action standpoint, they're, every fucking time they're in the ring, you're, you're watching. They're dynamic. They're fun. They can work the mic. You know, there's, there's, there's so much positive about the U-Turn as a tag team. Um, I feel like the setup at this point is to obviously have Jim versus Jay. You know, kind of have yes, that whole yeah. setup go on. Eventually, I think the idea, too, is that, you know, Roman will try to get involved as Mr., you know, fucking you know, tribal chief, but I think eventually you're going to have to have Solo turn on him is, is what makes the most sense, you know, rather than him fucking constantly just being a lackey. Jimmy and Jay are Solo's brother. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it doesn't make sense that he's going to keep siding with Roman when Roman's constantly fucking his brother, the guy's brother's over. Oh, yeah, it's going to come to a head. It has to. I mean, that's the only way that you could have it come to a head where he turns on, on Roman. And I think they're going to kind of hold off on that for a while because a lot of time until next WrestleMania, you know, to figure out what they're going to do with Roman and who his next competitor is going to be. But, you know, can't imagine who. I mean, it would be great if they had a triple threat. Usos versus Roman. But I can't see that happening. I think that's too big. I think that's too thinking too highbrow. Having it be a triple threat with the Usos against Roman. But, you know, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yep. Indeed. Agreed. Indeed. 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 So, but, time to you know, with that being kid. said, yep, exactly. So, with that being said, yeah, pay, uh, payback was good. Uh, on to the next one. Uh, but the one other thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, I wasn't uh, on the show last week when I wanted to talk about it. Uh, but two weeks ago, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, uh, passed away at the age of 36 uh, due to a heart attack uh, from complications of COVID and previous uh, heart uh, issues. Um, It's a death that I think is going to linger for a long time for us wrestling fans. Um, And it's one of those odd things where you think when you talk about the classics and when they've had, like, you know, Hulk Hogan when he passes and, and Ric Flair and obviously... Those are are rumbling, rumbling icons that are going to be talked about for a long time. But I think Bray Wyatt deserves to be in the conversation as well because not only was he young, he was only 36, but because of what he did with his character. Um, If you think all the way back to when he first premiered in WWE and NXT, he was a part of the Nexus, and he was Husky Harris. And he was just the big tank that that group needed. He just came in, he beat people up, and that was it. He had real no personality barely talked, and then that went away. And then in 2012, he came back to NXT as Bray Wyatt, this backwoods, bayou, hillbilly preacher of a man who wrote all of his own lines. He didn't have anybody write for him. He wrote everything himself. He created the Wyatt family, which is like a mix-up of Charles Manson, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he created all these different horrific elements of this compound of a family with Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper, and Ron Strowman. Um, and it was an incredible faction for its time. Real quick, got pops. 
everybody knew the theme song. Everybody knew the rocking chair and the lantern and the fedora. Um, but when that eventually kind of weighed out, he would eventually come back and do different things with Matt Hardy. Um, he became the eater of worlds where he was a tag team champion with Randy Orton for a while. And then also um, um, Matt Hardy. But after that, there wasn't really much for him to do. He kind of went away for a while and he came back and he came back with the Firefly Funhouse. So all the Fireflies could light the way for Bray Wyatt. He had his little fun house with all the characters like Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch, Rambo and Rabbit. Um, they were all coming together to create this weird, fucked up TV show for kids. But it was also great for his opponents. And he would confuse them because he also had the alter ego of the Fiend. And he didn't want to make the Fiend angry. Because when he made the Fiend angry, bad things happened. And, of course, he eventually joined up with uh, Alexa Bliss to create this uh, Little Miss Abigail-type character. Uh, she embraced that character fully, and she became like this demented Harley Quinn-type character. Um, you know, and he ran with that for a long time in many iterations of The Fiend, uh, when he got set on fire by Randy Orton, and he came back as his burnt corpse. And he was just embracing that character 100%. And I think that's what I love most about Bray Wyatt, is because he embraced whatever character iteration he was doing, he fully went all in on that character, you know, whether it was the Bayou Preacher, whether it was the Fiend, whether it was Bray Wyatt, the host of the Firefly Funhouse, or his final iteration when he came back with Uncle Howdy. And he was just Bray Wyatt. He was just himself, man. And he just wanted everybody to know how much he loved them and how much they saved him when he went away. And then he eventually got rehired by the WWE and came back to create that character that he ended up. Um, truly heartbreaking. I don't think I'm going to be over it for a while, but... Uh, you know, Ghoul uh, Monkey, I wanted to take this time and, and uh, hear your thoughts on Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. What he meant to you? Ghoul, would you want to go first? Sure, sure. Yeah, listen, you know, Bray Wyatt is one of those... Like, I know you brought up, like, guys like, like Hogan and, uh, and, and, and other types of uh, legendary figures, Undertaker, let's say, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. even like guys like Kane. You know, um, so I look at Bray as definitely being one of those performers who would have eventually become a legend. You know, I don't think he would have mm-hmm. ever... Don't get me wrong. It's not a matter of a lack of talent or anything like that. I don't think he'd ever reach the same levels as, let's say, a Hogan, Rock, Cold, or anything like that. But that's because those particular guys all helped transcend the WWE to another level. They catapulted it from, you know, from A to B, and then from B to C, and so forth and so forth. But I do think Bray would have been able to establish himself in the same sentences, the same breath, the same type of character and legend that somebody like The Undertaker brings. You know, somebody who is going to be a solid performer year after year. Somebody that every time he got in that fucking ring, no matter what character he came with, he was going to give you every single fucking iota of who he was because he loved professional wrestling. He loved being the character. He loved 
pleasing the crowd. He loved being a part of this. I mean, this is a guy whose family, you know, is entrenched in wrestling. Um, you know, yeah. like he's a, he's not a, a, just a new guy. He's a fucking third generation fucking superstar. Um, so, you know, losing him at this age and in such a in, in such a surprising, like unexpected fashion, is just absolutely just devastating because this was somebody who even though yes he has had the wwe title yes he is he has literally had the whole world in his hands it still also always felt like his best was yet to come like i just always like i would watch bray and be like this guy one day he's going to have, like, a character run that is going to fucking melt minds, you know? And, and again, I know we, we touched on it at times. You know, the fucking fireflies. There's nothing cooler than some of those shots when the fucking entire, the lights would go out everywhere and just everybody's lights are on. All the little flashlights, yep. you know? And it was like, that's yep. really fucking neat. That's, that's a vibe, man. You know, I, again, and I think back to, like, when we went to WrestleMania, you know, and The Undertaker yeah. comes out. It's just all that darkness, <laughs> all this fucking electricity, and fire getting fucking blown up. It was, it was just so Amazing. much of the performance, yep. you know, and that, that's what so many of these guys these days just lack, you know, and, like, what they might have in the ring, they just don't have in the character. And Bray had both. Here's a heavy set guy who's fucking... You know, we, I always have respect for these guys that don't have your typical, you know, muscular body. Look at a KO, you know, and yet you watch them get oh, yeah. in there and they do things that you're like, holy fuck, man, how did he pull that off? Did he just go off the top rope with a fucking senton? Like, what is he doing that for? You know, Bray had it all. And, and he's a loss that will be felt for, for quite some time. You know, obviously they'll... Uh, they will fast track him into the Hall of Fame, and he, oh, yeah, you know, sure. what's what's sad is is he deserves to be there, not because he passed away. Yeah. He deserves to be there because you know what, he would have been there no matter what. You know whether it was now, whether it was twenty years from now, Bray Wyatt deserves to be where he's going to go, and you know it's uh, you know just uh, like like the dean said with his whole thing recently. You know, uh, get yourself checked. You know, if you have issues, you have yeah. things that you're feeling, man. You know, I went through my own heart situation, and in you know, in this case, that is what you know happened here. He had COVID and uh, uh, and a pre-existing heart condition that that kind of all came together, and uh, you know, it's what put a big man down in his sleep. So at least you know, hopefully he went peacefully and without pain. And we can only hope so. But, uh, Monkey, you know, what are your thoughts on Bray Wyatt? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as much as I enjoy professional wrestling, just like the rest of you guys, it's like, you know, when you break it down, it's pretty much a simple formula. It's like, you know, you take your WWE playset, and you put your two action figures in there. They, they, you know, they talk a little smack, and then they beat the shit out of each other, you know, and g- give us a good fight. You know, and, you know, then that maybe turns into a feud and lasts for a little while, you know, and that's how you get some storyline. Bray Wyatt wasn't your, 
typical action figure. Bray Wyatt was a character, like he, and he created characters on top of characters. And the stories that happen in WWE are all done by, you know, WWE writers and producers and stuff like that. That wasn't Bray Wyatt. He he built worlds around his characters. Like you know, he, you know, you start off, you know, the Nexus, and he had that little bit going on. Okay, and then came back as the Swamp Leader, okay, and then he started to build a world around that and build a family and the characters, and then his feud with Cena and trying to warp Cena and stuff like that, and you know, take away the fan base from him, and that, you know, and, you know, with that trying to go in and break the characters and, you know, take them to a, a world that they hadn't been to, you know, like for, and then you go to the, the feud with Orton where it's, you know, he goes in there and he breaks Orton and, you know, to mm-hmm. a point where it's like, you know, p- part of Orton's moveset after that was he was never healed from that you know like we always say with a good horror movie it's like you might survive the situation he might have survived you know (laughs) the house match you know but he didn't come out unscathed you know his moveset was forever you know going to the dark place and going you know and then going upside down and you know because he doesn't want to go there because you know he was forever broken because of what Bray Wyatt did to him you know, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, and then, you know, going in and then going into The Fiend and then building another world around that. But then he started going in deeper with The Fiend where all of a sudden you weren't, you know, just playing in his world. He was building, you know, realms, you know, d- different like astral planes in there of existence of his psyche. And where were you in there with what part of his psyche, you know, and dragging in, you know, same thing with Alexa Bliss and taking her and, you know, breaking her and turning her into another character and all of these characters that created, you know, whether it was, you know, the the Firefly uh, Funhouse shit, you know, or, you know, him bringing in his family, you know, that that was all stuff that he wrote, that he created, you know, Mm -hmm. and... And the problem is, I like his stuff. It's like it wants to be super dark. It wants to be eerie. It wants to make you uncomfortable. It's just unfortunately, I think like he was in the wrong era of WWE because while he was trying to do this, WWE is trying so hard to be you know the PG era, and he's like and he's like no. We we can still do this, man. We can still be dark. We can still be creepy. And they didn't, you know, WWE didn't know how to handle this. When, you know, he's like, look, let's take it back to shit like The Undertaker and be dark and scary and stuff like that. It's okay to make the audience, you know, feel uncomfortable, you know. But it's just, you know, so, you know, when you're sitting there playing with the stuff, it's like, okay, you can put Captain America in the ring. You can put Incredible Hulk in the ring. And then someone else throws in, 
oh, fucking Doctor Strange with all his, you know, multi levels of madness going on, and that's the fiend. And you know, the thing is, he kept evolving and changing his character. And uh, the cool thing about it, you know, Bray Wyatt was is just, you know, Wally constantly changing it, doing new video packages. You know, he's bringing all of the WWE universe with him, and you may not have understood, you know, you know what's going on, you know, and you're always like, you know, where is he going with this? And that was the point of his character. I thought was it was never ever about a destination; it was just about a journey of darkness, and it was really really fun to be a part of it. Yeah, it really was, and. You know, when he had his Swamp Leader character, when he had the Wyatt family with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, and of course, rest in peace to Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. John Huber, uh, one part of that family passed away not that long ago. But it's just he always had these weird speeches about war. Now, he was the color red in a world of black and white. And he goes, you know, you want to talk about war? I am war. Then he would talk about having followers, and he's like, I only have brothers and sisters that are all involved in the cause. You know, it's this weird type of timbre that he had to his voice that he got rid of uh-huh. when he became uh, Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. And his, his promos, like you had said, uh, you know, Monkey, they could go from scary to funny. I mean, he could have a whole Firefly Funhouse segment where he's just messing around with Rambo and Rabbit. You know, and he's doing the muscle man dance. <laughs> you know, and he's just dancing around <laughs> in a tank top and, you know, yeah, Vince McMahon with the horns. What the hell are you doing? It's the muscle man dance, boss. <laughs> All right. You know, <laughs> And he would disappear. But he would do things like that. But during that video, when you're all having fun, all of a sudden he would just stop and he'd be like, you want to let me in? And all of a sudden, like, what? <laughs> and then the whole set would start to bleed. And he'd be like, that's all you have to do. <laughs> you know? I know what your secrets are. And that's why I kind of felt really bad that this all happened because he was set up to have a really good feud against Bobby Lashley uh, before he passed away. And he was starting to cut all these promos that were just right back to where you were with the Firefly Funhouse. Like he had, he interrupted a match to do the Muscle Man dance with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, what the hell is this shit? He's like, come on, Bobby, dance with me. Muscle Man dance. <laughs> 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 a segment the following week where Bray was sitting in front of a camera and he's watching footage of Bobby Lashley and he's like, ooh, he's like, do you want to know a secret? And all of a sudden there was like all these secrets running through, you know, Bobby Lashley's face. And all of a sudden you cut to Bray Wyatt and he's like, and I'm back, Bray Wyatt, with the weather. It's going to be 96 degrees outside with a calm breeze. Coming up next, do you want to know a secret? No, he would just go from funny and shit to fucking dark within a half a second, you know? And that's why I used to love the Firefly Funhouse when it first started. Um, and I know the monkey and I used to watch those when he first came here because he had the one where he was just talking to the kids, and he's like, oh, I'm so glad to have you back. And he's like, you know what, kids? Yay! I'll always light the way. But all you have to do is... Let me in. Let me in. See you in hell. Bye. Bye. Let me in. <laughs> and I, I, you know what? We, we talk about pops all the time when these people return, like our favorite wrestlers when they make their return after a, a couple months or whatever, and you're so excited. To me, nothing was better than Extreme Rules 2022. You, me, the ghoul, we all watched it. It was all over, and it was like, but Bray Wyatt was supposed to come back. What hell? You know, what the hell? We're all upset, and all of a sudden, all the lights start going out. And I was like, that's what the Fiend used to do. And then you just have that, that door 
everybody's got their flashlights out, everybody's got their phones out, then you just hear them singing, I got the whole world in my hands. And it's like, holy shit, he's back. And then he comes out with that lantern, pulls that mask off, and the fucking place erupted. That place exploded off of their feet, you know, seeing Bray Wyatt come back once again. Um, couldn't imagine a better pop than that. Because back when the scene was around, like you were saying, Monkey, again, they did make him scary for a period of time because he would just pop up whenever. You know, Mick Foley could be cutting a promo about something. All of a sudden, all the lights go out. Red lights come back up, and there's the fiend dragging Mick Foley underneath the fucking mat, you know, with his fingers <laughs> in the mouth. <laughs> you know, for no reason. You oh, that's right, because he, he, he did steal the mandible claw for a little bit. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, his initial was the mandible claw, because he used to have the hurt in the heel gloves. And he knew you were going to get it when he hit you with the hurt glove. He knew that you were going to get the man of a claw. You know? <laughs> and, again, like I, to, to wrap up, it's just, it was so great to have a character where he wrote his own shit. Nobody wrote for him. So he was saying his own shit. And that's, I think, why these promos were so good. Because I don't think you could have somebody try to match Bray Wyatt's voice. Um, just There was just one of a kind. And there's been rumblings of them continuing that story, you know, with Bo Dallas, his brother still being alive, they were thinking about bringing back Uncle Howdy and having him play a part. And honestly, I think that needs to just all die with Bray. I just, I don't think there's anything left. I mean, if he's not around, well, Bo, there's not going to be anybody that could write a better story. Yeah, well, Bo signed with, he signed with AEW anyway. Oh, so there's no worry then. Because I know for a while yeah, yeah. they were saying that Bo he premiered. Was he premiered literally like the day or like the, the like one or two days before this happened with uh, with Bray. Oh no way! So that's why when wow. yeah when he popped up in AEW, I actually thought Bray was looking to move out of WWE and go over there as well. It surprised me, and I didn't expect uh, Bo to go to head over there. Yeah, I mean there was talks when Bray was away um, that he was going to go to AEW. Like there were talks. Um, they just never went through because Bray is a WWE guy and he didn't want to give up on the WWE. You know, Vince was the one that let him go and he just kind of had a hope that he would be brought back. And of course, Triple H did. Once Vince had to step down as, you know, CEO, Triple H took over and he's like, let's bring him back. So, <laughs> Thank you, Triple H, you know, for giving him a second chance, <laughs> you know? And it, it's funny because people were like, oh, he's back, but he's not doing anything. You know, his promos are kind of stupid. I don't like the Uncle Howdy thing. I don't like the Mountain Dew pitch black match. I think, well, then you don't really get Bray then. If you don't get it, then you don't get Bray. Because he's perfectly fine in his lane doing his thing. And I liked the pitch black match because it was a perfect Bray Wyatt match. You know, through and through, written the way it was. Like, you know, he couldn't get any better. Technically, are you looking for a good match? No, you're just looking for a fun time. And Bray never disappointed with his matches. <laughs> He always made sure to put on a fun time. You weren't going to be disappointed by the end of a Bray Wyatt match. Even when he fucking lost, you were still happy. Like when he lost to, to Randy Orton and he got set on fire because Alexa Bliss turned against him. You're like, you know what? Good. That was a good Bray Wyatt match. He yeah, but he got set on fire. fire. So hell yeah. <laughs> yeah you know. And then he comes back as the fucking corpse. <laughs> you know? You're wearing a whole different fucking outfit and all melted and shit. It was great. Um, you know, this uh, going to be one-of-a-kind type of guy, you know. 
people are kind of hoping that maybe Eric Rowan would come back to the WWE because he's in AEW right now, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to stay right where he is. Braun's still with the company, but, you know, you're not going to see another wide family reunion. No. Without Bray, it's just not going to happen. We have the rocking chair where it is, you know, and, you know, we move on from there. But um, before we get into the movie for tonight, I do have a couple horror things to talk about. Not a lot, you know, because I couldn't really find a lot. But um, Eli Roth, he dropped a teaser poster today for the upcoming Slasher Thanksgiving. And he promises a trailer tomorrow. So if you're looking forward to it like I am, you could expect a trailer tomorrow and guarantee we're going to talk about it next week. Because I'm All looking right, forward I'm to it. Leave stuffed. What be all be served. I'm looking forward to it. I just I, I think we've all been looking forward to it for a long time. Um uh, and as for the the Disney Plus uh, Marvel series fans like WandaVision, the character of Agatha from WandaVision is officially getting her own spinoff called Agatha Darkhold Diaries, which will debut on Disney Plus just in time for Halloween 2024. I don't know who that is. I don't know how much people like her, but she's getting her own spinoff. <laughs> it's Agatha. It's Agatha. It's Agatha. Oh shit! It's Agatha. <laughs> I'm guessing she's a fun time gal. <laughs> Everybody loves. <laughs> well, well, you met Wanda in. You've seen Wanda in in Multiverse of Madness. So Agatha mm-hmm. is kind of who pushed her into that direction. Uh, oh, okay. In, you know, in, in WandaVision, we explore Wanda's broken heart and, and mind after what occurred in, in Infinity War um, and the mm. and Endgame, obviously, you know, and the fact that Vision was, was gone. Um, but you also find out that uh, there is another, uh, you know, I guess this was the introduction of, like, magic. Like magic, magic in into the into the oh, world okay. of the Marvel universe as uh, Agatha's kind of like a witch, who, who yeah, you know was was kind of uh, kind of pulling the the strings to to kind of push buttons and and keep Wanda going in that direction. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a and, and she was you know what the actress played her great and the way the finale played out it was a lot of fun. I know people have a mixed have mixed feelings on WandaVision. Um, you know, I still have positive thoughts on that show, but, like, I really did like the... I liked the episodes that were throwbacks towards other generations of television, oh, yeah. more so than I liked <laughs> when they brought it up to, like, current date and, like, this is what we're doing. Um, I feel like the buildup was much better than the delivery. Uh, but, yep. you know, it, it is what it is, and, and we'll see what they do with Agatha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it episode? <laughs> oh, it's, it's all there, man. It is all there. Sit, Ubu, sit. Honeymooners, you got fucking family ties. You know, again, you know, all kinds of fun stuff, man. I never was a family guy, uh, family ties fan growing up. I mean, I... My brother used to love Alex B. Keaton, obviously, because it's Alex well, B. Keaton. Well, of course, of course like you didn't, because <laughs> you didn't have a childhood. That's why. You I were like, no, I fuck that. Oh, I'm going to watch Night of the Living Dead again. <laughs> they were too <laughs> they were too friendly with each other. I think that's the problem. 
They just love each other too much, I think. (laughs) No, you know what? I'm with you, King. Not for that reason, you know what I mean? Like, uh, again, being that, uh, (laughs) you know, I I come from right around, I literally come from the same time frame as your brother. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was more of a a growing pains person than a family ties person. I found family ties to be a little bit more dry and boring with its humor. Uh, And I know some of the themes were like, you know, I guess more serious, so to say, but I liked the fun of the Seaver family. You know, I liked shows like Ten, Ten, Ten is Enough, I think was the name of it. It was one of the oh, spin-offs yeah. of uh, Growing Pains. Oh, ju- uh, just, the, you know, I liked just the Ten of Us? Strokes and the Jeffersons, just the Ten of Us. That's what it was. Yeah. Not Ten is Enough. That was yeah. Eight is Enough. That was another show. I, see, I watched shows like that when I was younger. Um, There's a lot you know, of people, all repeats, yeah. obviously. I'm not that old. But, uh, but you know, like, uh, again, like, I, I prefer, you know, all of that stuff over family ties. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Michael J. Fox is Michael J. Fox, but uh, I don't know. He was no uh, Kirk Don't Cameron, you mean you Eric know? Stoltz? Uh, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, yeah no, that's the, that's the dude in Back to the Future, man. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah Marty McFly. That in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Marty McFly, yeah. yeah. You guys talking about BTTF? <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, I know. The only episode of Family Ties I actually liked was the one with Tom Hanks where he was a fucking drunk and he was uh, the wife's uh, brother. And he was so hard up for alcohol that he was drinking maraschino cherries and fucking vanilla extract. He's like, I don't have a problem. You do. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. A young Tom Hanks, and he's fucking getting tanked on fucking vanilla extract. And Alex comes out there, he's like, Don't you think you've had enough? He's like, I don't think you've had enough. I was like, Oh, man, this guy's great as a drunk. <laughs> totally fucks everything yeah. up. Smacks fucking Alex in the face. Deservedly so. Just <laughs> a great fucking episode if you guys could find it. Tom Hanks on Family Ties as a drunk. Um, but speaking about TV. Uh, Prime Video is coming out with a series based on the popular Fallout video game series set to debut in 2024. Interesting. Yeah. So the tra- yeah, <laughs> there's kind of a tra- there's kind of a trailer available online to watch. It was it dropped at a uh, game co- convention not too long ago, and you couldn't see much of it. But at the same time, you know, it's looking like it's going to be like in the you know definitely like in the world of Fallout. Uh, you know, and exploring around in the world. Hopefully, it's going to be better than fucking Halo, because that fucking sucked. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, a, a hot take <laughs> on uh, Halo. I don't, know, I don't know what that is. Uh, but either way, um, 13 Ghosts is getting a TV series like based Halo. on the 2001 film. Fuck you, monkey. I is enjoy that Halo. You know what, man? That, that, that <laughs> yeah. been a, it might not have been the greatest TV series, but, you know, come on. Let's be realistic here. It's literally based on a fucking first-person <laughs> shooter that had, like, zero storyline to start with. You know, hey, alien fucking, you know, beings crash on a fucking Halo ring. What are we going to do? Oh, kill fucking everything in sight, you know, while an AI talks to us. Um, you know, they, they, they definitely fleshed shit out as, as years went by in Halo, and I think the series tried to kind of marry all of that together. 
Uh, I liked it. I, I, you know, I don't know what the, the deal is with that. I don't know if they're getting the second season or not. It'd be stupid for Paramount Plus not to, being how much they paid for the property. Uh, Fallout, on the other hand, though, like I'm more the Fallout being such an open-ended series. You know, it's again, it's similar mm-hmm. to like Elder Scrolls. It's similar to like all of those open worlds. You know, you, whatever you want to do is what you're free to do type of game. Um, yep. You know, like, it has potential, obviously, if they can put together a character that people will like to follow. You know, and they'll just need those typical nods. But for the most part, Fallout should play, as far as a TV series, kind of like Mad Max, except maybe with, like, less cars. Uh, and, and that's what I'm thinking is probably where they're, they're really going ahead on this. Like I'm sure it's been something they've bantered around for a bit now, but maybe with the success of, uh, of Twisted Metal, maybe the idea of a post-apocalyptic mm. world is something that people want to explore a little bit, being that it's kind of like it, it's, it's kind of faded into the background for a little while. Everything was all zombies and fucking vampires. You know, let's get back to the apocalypse. You know, we lived it for, for a whole year now, so, so let's, like, really fucking explore it. <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm always worried about that because, like, I look at, like, the World of Warcraft movie, you know, and again, like, this is coming from somebody who, as bad as that movie is, loves the shit out of it, but that movie's fucking god-awful, you know? So so anytime they, like, try to approach, like, video games that are such large-scale, high-concept types of games, it's hard for them to make a fucking movie that, that is actually going to be worth shit, you know? Sorry, I had a yeah, man. Very true. tangent there. That's yeah, right. dude, yeah, oh, I, I totally agree, man. Yeah, it's all yeah, it's all about just, you know, as always, just come up with a good story and just tell us a good story. No, clearly that's what we all want. And we um I was also just talking about Thirteen Ghosts being made into a possible T V series. Okay, we're good. Uh, nope. What the f- what the fuck is that? What what a more? What? What? Oh, sorry. We have like aliens get, getting into our broadcast. I couldn't shut my phone off. It was a message that I got. I'm so sorry. <laughs> swing it. Somebody swing away. In. Somebody yeah. logged into swing a away. meeting and was, <laughs> and was met with a uh, with a video that was not anything to do with that Zoom meeting. Instead, it was like a a large naked. African American person. I'm pretty sure they were mm. finger banging themselves. Um, Ooh, huh. yeah, my. Yeah, well, not not <laughs> not. Well, yeah, I know monkey monkey might like it, but I think she looked like a giant black baby. To be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> she might have been. She might have been. That's what his lane. Oh, it's a dude jerking. <laughs> Even better. My bad. It's it's a dude jerking. <laughs> off. So now it's right up. The, it's up the king's alley instead. <laughs> There yep. you go. All right. All right, fellas. Tell what the, you got. All about like the, the sword fight. Like the, king, like the king likes to say, any ship in a harbor. <laughs> any port oh, in a storm, like, my friend. Any port in a storm. Uh, well, right. speaking about port sword fighting and shit like that, right? Like, listen, I had a fucking uh, a trip of a weekend doing the shit that I did with my, my basement this weekend. So I felt like I poisoned mm-hmm. myself by fucking cleaning the fucking nightmare that it is. I'd send you pictures, but... uh. 
put, it's, it'll probably hurt your feelings. But put it this way, this shit that I think was living in my basement that might have been in the movie Prometheus. Uh, but, but anyway, you know, so because I did all of that, I felt like I needed to reward myself, you know? So I was like, all right, you know, I did one adult thing, which was like pay off one of my doctor bills. Well, there, there's a reward. It was only like 56 bucks. But the other thing I did was I bought the uh, – there's a, a, a recent uh, Baldur's Gate game that came out for the PlayStation 5. Oh, three. I don't use my – yes, Baldur's Gate 3. Now, I don't use my PlayStation for anything, so I was like, hey, this is an exclusive. Took a look, checked out some of the video footage of, like, you know, gameplay and shit, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking grab this game. So I did so. You know what I was thrilled to find out while making my character today? Uh, I haven't gotten to, to – I haven't even made it past, like, the introductory level yet because, you know, we we – started the show uh that was what i was trying to do when i said that uh <laughs> i needed to, to stay quiet oh. in the green room but it, it didn't happen <laughs> but uh what i what i found out during character creation they decided to allow you, can be you Jewish? to choose your penis <laughs> no you can pick your what dick. so so you're not far no. you could pick an uncircumcised dick you can pick a circumcised dick you can put a vagina on a guy in this game. What? Okay, so yes, for for a little while, I was standing there with my dwarf with a little pussy where his dick should be. Uh, I, 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 I did snap <laughs> a picture of his cock, and I will show it to you because there's full nudity. Like, there's straight-up dwarf dick in this game. Like, I can't wait to see what the other fucking, like, other races' dicks look like. I'm so fucking excited. Like, I want to make a character of every type just so I can see, like, what an elf dick looks like, what a fucking, you know, what does a dragon dick look like? Do the dragons have cloacas? Like, all of these questions, like, all of a sudden, like, came flooding through my fucking brain. Like, I, I cannot wait to, to explore this further. So, Baldur's Gate seems to be a really good game so far, at least if you like dick. And vulva. This is just penis and vulva. So, so. But I was talking to Brody from All Rats for a second. That guy's dick was like, the <laughs> um, So, yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to say before we get into the movie was that uh, 13 Ghosts, the movie from 2001, the remake, is getting a possible TV series. Uh, it's still very early in talks because of the strike, but apparently there's a bunch of companies that are willing to get in on this. Sony and Dark Castle have to come up with an agreement. But uh, one of the companies that wants to be involved, Primordial uh, Films, has said that he wants to make every episode AR accessible so that you could bring these ghosts into your own home throughout each episode as you explore each of the 13 oh. ghosts. So, well, it's kind of, you know, fun, you know, the fact that they want to include a little bit of AR uh, with this. So we'll see. I mean, it's a long way away from actually coming to fruition. But, you know, little, uh, you know, notes on that and, I'll update you guys if I hear anything more about the upcoming series. But with that being said, uh, we are talking about not fake ghosts and monsters, but a real monster, in fact. Uh, This is Monster from 2003, directed by Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman fame. Uh, Ghoul, this is your movie. Why don't you give us a a synopsis of what you thought about Monster? Well, uh, okay, So, so Monster. Monster is a 2003. Three. Biological, uh, not biological, my bad, biographical, <laughs> Bi- crime drama story. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of penis is it? What's the penis look like? <laughs> it's a vulva! It's a vulva! <laughs> uh, it's broken in half! Um, She's got two clips. Uh, 
Like, yeah, so like you said, it's directed, you know, written and directed by Patty Jenkins, uh, who, who will go on years from now to, uh, to, to, to go and do Wonder Woman. Um, Monster is, in my opinion, so like I've never seen this movie before, so, so synopsis-wise. Oh, really? You know, Monster oh, wow. is, you know, supposed to be, a, a bio, a dramatical bio piece on serial killer Eileen Wernos, um, you know, one of the, the few rare women serial killers that we've had in the United States. Uh, you know, I say dramatical bio piece because, you know, what I didn't expect from this film was it to be so... Uh, so slanted in its depiction of trying to Mm. paint her as some lovesick fucking puppy, you know, who, who, who had it so bad for the, uh, you know, the, the fictionalized character that, uh, uh, that big forehead girl, uh, who I can't remember her name (laughs) right now. Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. You know, uh, Selby, you know, which, which, which is a character based off of an actual, you know, person that Eileen was involved with. You know, her, her one girlfriend, Ty, Tyria, Tyra, whatever her name is. I don't know. Here you know, they, they, all look, they all look like beefy motherfuckers out of Alabama is what they look <laughs> like. Um, you know, so, so, so that being said, like, you know, like the, the, the reason I ended up picking this movie is because it's one of those in which I, I've wanted to watch it. In a while, for a while, you know, and like uh, as time kept going by, like I owned the film, and I just never got around to watching it. So, so as like a challenge at one point or whatever, the cool girl like it said like, "Oh, you'll never watch it." And I said, "I'll watch it when I pick it for the show. You'll see." And of course, that was met with the, "Well, then you'll never watch it because you'll never pick it for the show." So I said, "Watch this," and I picked it last week for the show this week. Um, so, so there, there you have it. Challenge fucking met, accepted, and and instead we've all watched Monster. Um, you know, but like I said, I really wasn't expecting it to be be so. I don't know, like la di da, I'm in love, and all this and that. Like you know, like I, I guess I was expecting more of a a serial killer type of vibe from the film. But uh, and like I, I I know a little bit about Eileen, you know, and uh, I've I've watched interviews, you know, and uh, obviously like the the last few interviews are, are the ones that people really consider the most important because she kind of comes clean during all of those. So it just seems weird to me that, you know, you would assume that Patty Jenkins had access to the same things. So maybe she already had this like planned in her idea how she was going to go, but you know, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Yeah. The movie wasn't terrible. Uh, as far as Charlize Theron, you know, winning the, Best Actress Award for it. You know, I get it, I guess. Like, you got ugly for the film. You know, like, Charlize Theron is a, is a very good-looking, pretty pretty woman. Um, so, so, you got ugly for the film. Is, is what you did, and, and, and they gave you an award for it. Uh, some of the mannerisms and shit like that were similar, but, like, for the most part, like kind of like the king joked earlier, you know, she was just kind of 
really just putting on a weird fucking affectation and, and, and acting strange. Um, you know, Wordos herself was, was indeed strange, but there was, a, there was a crazy to her strange that I don't think Theron could ever match. So, you know, there was an intensity to, to Wernos' actual persona that, try as she might, I think Charlize Theron just came off as, again, and it's probably how it's written, she came off as weird and love-struck, whereas, like, Eileen herself just kind of comes off as fucking crazy. <laughs> okay. Monkey, what do you think about Monster? <sighs> I'm not a fan of this movie. <laughs> In any way, shape, or form. Ghoul, honestly, this is nothing against you or the pick or anything. Um, they, no, you're good. You're good. This is what it is. Uh, when, when this movie came out was like about the time that uh, my ex and I were splitting for one of our three times because I'm stupid. And it's just she constantly had this movie playing on in the TV in the background, like, somewhere. And it's like, I watched it one time, beginning to end, and then I probably watched, and then I, oh, yeah, yeah. Probably like the ghoul gal. Yeah, my ex got totally bricked out over this movie. (laughs) No, but, um, (laughs) like, I probably, like, collectively seen it, like, another four times. And it's just, you know I can't stand Charlize Theron, all right? It's just, you know, like, she's the main reason I will not watch, like, any more of the Fast movies. It's like, she just irritates me as a person. Um, and it's just, I don't know why. It's like, everyone was like, oh, you know, well, actually, you nailed it, Ghoul. It's like, you know, it's, you know, oh, she uglied herself up. Oh, she, you know, did this and that. And it's like, all right. That doesn't deserve a fucking award. It's like, let's see here. To paraphrase, uh, paraphrase Jimmy Lee Curtis when she was fa- uh, filming the movie Virus. She was working with all these pretty little Hollywood actors and actresses, and there was time when they were supposed to get messed up and gunked up and like, you know, really nasty and ugly during this thing. And all, all the actors and actresses were like, no, I don't want to get dirty and all that kind of stuff. And Jimmy Lee Curtis was like, we're actors. This is what we do. All right. If the role calls for us to get nasty and messed up, that's what you do. And then she sits there and took a, a quart of dirty ass motor oil and like just poured it on her <laughs> one of the other actresses' head, and you know started putting it in her hair. Then Jamie Lee Curtis went and did it on hers. You know, and she, like you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is like just putting it all over her face and stuff like that. You know, she's like, "Do I look pretty now?" She's like, "No." And it's like, "Yeah," because I'm a fucking actor, and this is what we do. You know, so it's just, you know, respect to Jimmy Lee Curtis, who gets it, and, you know, while the Academy is just like, oh, my gosh, you gained weight. Oh, and it's like, no, it's just you're actors. That's what you do. It's your job, yeah. you know, yeah, and it, it's just, <laughs> yeah, so it's just I don't get it. And, yeah, you know, the, the king is going to chime in on exactly how I felt about, you know, Charlie Theron and her fucking dental plate later <laughs> and it's just yeah all of it it's like I was like it, like you were going gold this should have been a darker grittier nastier movie about people being nasty to each other and showing 
that nastiness being done to one another. It's, you know, like, I, I, I think they missed a lot of opportunities to, like, just make this a really, really dirty, nasty, like, you walk out of the theater, you know, and you've got that 70s, you know, horror movie grunge on you. You know, I, I, like, I, I think they really missed an opportunity with this movie. King, what did you think of this, Jim? <laughs> um, I mean, what a, I mean, Jim. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's not a very good movie um, <clears throat> because of the, what the, the ghoul had said. Exactly. He hit everything that I would possibly have to say about it. It's a movie where you are focusing on a serial killer like Eileen Warnos, who had no sympathy for her victims. She constantly would say, well, it was self-defense. And then she was like, really, it wasn't. I just wanted to fucking kill him because I needed money and I needed to get away with it. So you present us with a movie with Monster where Eileen Warnos is a sad, depressed, lonely person who finds love. Um, And the only reason she kills is because she needs the money, but then she'll say that it was self-defense and that because men raped her when she was young, that's her excuse. But really, she's doing it for love. Um, I I find these movies difficult because like the – Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron where they made him like a fucking HBK rock star. That's the wrong way to view this person. This person is a remorseless killer. And, you know, you're going to have Charlize Theron play her. Okay, she's going to eat a bunch of Krispy Kreme donuts and she's going to gain weight and then they're going to make her ugly and that's going to win her the Oscar for portraying a serial killer the way that she shouldn't have been presented. That's what was disappointing because I think it wasn't that long ago when Evan Peters won, I think, oh, like an Emmy for, for his uh, portrayal of Jeffrey Dahmer. I was kind of fine with that because he portrayed Jeffrey Dahmer the way that Jeffrey Dahmer should have been presented. He was a psychopath. There was nothing short of him being a psychopath. There was no sympathy for him in that show. I mean, if you felt sympathy for him on that show, I, I think you got a problem because he's a psychopath. You he know, but so. here's the thing, you know, if you remember right, <laughs> You got to remember, King, when that show did first premiere, uh, that Netflix series, people actually mm-hmm. were. There were people saying that they like yeah, actually kind were. of felt bad for him, yeah. you know. And it's like, there were. damn, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, we did. We talked about it, and I, I didn't see how. You know, I, I was viewing it. I thought they did a very good job of presenting him as he was. And then we talked about it on the show that people were feeling bad for him. He's just a lonely boy, and you know, it's just no. There's just no need for it. And as far as her winning the Oscar for this, I don't see it. I don't. Just hungry. There was nothing in this movie where I was like, man, she's doing a great job playing this character. Like, I'm really convinced. And it's really, no, she looked like Fire Marshal Bill with a blonde wig. And she just fucking Let kept saying her lines that. like that. <laughs> 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 they, just, they, just took her eye, they just took her eyebrows away. I know. But there's just, just nothing. I'm like, wow. You know, she gained some weight, they took her eyebrows off, and they gave her a shitty wig. Yes, Oscar. Oscar! Like, come on, stop it. You know? <laughs> you know, forget the it's teeth, just it's too. ridiculous. They gave her the dentures. No, the teeth, yeah. Messed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the other yeah, thing. you don't see big forehead because, winning. Yeah, because it's like, how is she supposed to win and talk and shit like that? Because you know all of that had to have been, like, you know, 80 yards later. Because how do you fucking enunciate or give a blowjob when you can't even open your fucking mouth? 
you know, all the whole, entire <laughs> time. Chicken, she's there dude. with her teeth shut the entire time, and she's like, ha, 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 hello, yes, I, yeah, yeah, with my big fucking grin, my fucking, like, weird ass, you know, <laughs> beauty well, plate here. Hey, would you like a long job? Eileen, did, she did have fucked up teeth from, from something that she happened did, yeah. earlier in her life, so. But for some reason, she could enunciate when she talked. I mean, she was completely batshit insane, yeah. but she could at least fucking talk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it felt like yeah. for some reason, they could, they, Charlotte could not. So um, the movie kicks off in around 1989, and after moving from Michigan to Daytona Beach, Florida, and on the verge of committing suicide, street prostitute Lee Warnos meets Selby in a gay bar. Although she's initially hostile and declares that she is definitely not fucking gay, Eileen talks to Selby while drinking beer. Shelby takes to Eileen almost immediately, and she invites Eileen to spend the night with her. The two women return to the house where Selby is staying, temporarily exiled, of course, by her parents, following the accusation from another girl that Selby tried to kiss her. They later agree to meet at a roller skating rink, and they kiss for the first time. And I just, I love when they're like, they're fucking making out on the roller derby rink, and then they go outside, they're doing it some more, and... Selby's like, well, maybe we should, like, go somewhere. And she's like, how about that fucking yard? <laughs> I was like, dude. Okay. Yes. No, that, that was seriously the most guy fucking answer I've ever fucking yeah. heard. That's, like, that's yeah. the shit, like, I would have said in, like, the middle of, like, a heavy session, like, you know, outside somewhere. Yep. Be like, well, hey, yeah. we, can, we can fucking just pop right over there by that tree. I don't care if you blow me outside. Who cares if somebody sees <laughs> Not at all. I just said fucking like, how about that yard? And she's like, well, and then she's like, first of all, I thought you weren't engaged. She's like, well, whatever, man. <laughs> all right, stop it. Want to see my dick? Bet my clit the size of your dick. What? What's going on here, Eileen? Calm down. Um, I got, so they, I got I, dragon I, clit. You got Chinese dick. So, of course, they, they make out. Uh, Selby is seen by the guy, one of the kids that lives in the house with her. doesn't really matter. They're not going to have sex outside. They'll figure out another time to do it. So, meanwhile, we see Eileen, and she's uh, turning tricks while Selby's at home, and she's just trying to navigate life there. Um, and that's when we discover late one night, Eileen is picked up by Vincent Corey, Lee Turgeson, the character actor. Guy's been fucking everything. Like, he plays such a great asshole. Whenever he shows up, he was in Oz, he was in Law and Order, ton of different shows. He, as as he show is like, Beecher. Oh, he's an asshole. Forever. Yes, Forever that's right. Forever this guy is Beecher yeah. from fucking Oz. And you know what, man? He is probably one of the few characters in that entire series that, like, for a small bit of time, like, I really felt bad for. Because it seemed like no matter what, man, first he gets fucked by fucking J.K. Simmons as the fucking Aryan guy. Mm-hmm. Then fucking, what's his name, man, from uh, CSI, not CSI, from Law and Order. Um, yeah, Chris starts Malone. fucking banging him. Chris, yeah, Chris Maloney starts fucking banging him. And he's giving, he's like mind fucking him too in that show, man. <laughs> yep. Because remember, like, he was actually like in love with him. And like, you know, they supposedly oh, yeah. like really loved Tell each it. other. But then Beecher ends up fucking getting parole. And he gets out and he's like, yo, yep. he's like, I'm going to get to be with my fucking family again. I'm going to get to see my kids. And then Maloney's character fucks him over and gets him fucking put back in jail again. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, this poor motherfucker. Yep. And then, but that was it after that. Because Beecher goes, like, straight evil after fucking finding out. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, Keller was his boyfriend's name. Yes, 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 yes. So Eileen's picked up a visit court, like I said, played by Lee Turgeson. He takes her deep into the woods, promising her money for (laughs) sex, but then he soon viciously starts to beat her and rapes her. Eileen eventually finds a gun, which she uses to kill him. And this is when she's like, all right, I'm going to go ditch the body over here in this very shallow fucking hill and just put a blanket over it, and it's going to be okay. And I'm going to take his car, and I'm going to take all his clothes and everything like that. Um, i got to go get Selby because we're going to have some fucking fun. <laughs> this little she pulls up with the fucking, you know, coveralls on and the fucking hat and gloves, and no point in Selby. Like, why are you dressed like that? Like, I don't care, man. I got some money. You want to go party in a motel or something? We can have some real fun. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, 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 yeah, her pro- pulling a straight Michael Myers, like, killing the dude, taking his car, taking his overalls, and then just leaving his fuck yeah, ass naked in the middle of the woods. <laughs> just let's go up and have a hotel room, man. She's like, Where'd you get the car? Oh, man, it's my friend Tom's. Don't ask questions. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's go party at a hotel. And that's when their relationship blooms because now I'm like, hey, this is my fucking girlfriend. So, and she's like, hi, I'm the girlfriend. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> like, you know, that's when Eileen has this fucking discovery where she's like, oh, man, no more hooking for me, man. I'm going to go straight. Like I could be a fucking veterinarian of the president of the United States or something. <laughs> and, of course, somebody's like, that's cool. I guess you can do that with no experience or education or any kind of, like, a resume or whatever. And, of course, she doesn't. So that's when she just starts going around going, yeah, man, I'll be a fucking lawyer or something. You know, uh, you don't have uh, any type of work history. That's so, hey, 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 fuck you, man. Fuck you. I don't even care about your shit no more. And the secretary walks in and says, fuck you, Leslie. And fucking walks out of the fucking office. <laughs> Just having no luck. I mean, she tried. I mean, she tried to dress up a little bit, tried to look a little bit decent, but she looks like the goddamn Crypt Keeper with the fucking, you know, teeth in her mouth. I, she's not going to get a job anywhere even if she has no experience. But she's eventually picked yeah, well, up by I a mean, cop, and the cops are like, oh, you've been easy. Good, yes. Well, you know what would have helped, though, too, man? Like, listen, like, I know that we're going to get, like, tiny little bits of, like, back history on, like, what Eileen was like through her, her her little discussions when she talks about how she was abused as a kid, all this and that. But, you know, again, a, a, a real film, a real film that's going to explore who this woman is. Like, you want to give this love story fine. You, you can, Eileen, you know, says as much in interviews that she did love Tyra and all this and that. You know, Tyra... Mm-hmm did want to party and Tyra was drinking all their money away. So this is why she was, oh, yeah. she was, you know, hooking again. And this is why she was robbing people. Basically she was hooking. And then she got tired of hooking and realized that it would be easier just to kill these guys and take their money. You know, and well, <laughs> yeah. it was easier to take their money and then kill them so that there was no fucking witnesses or anybody to, to rat her out and send her to jail again. You know, like, these are all little things that, like, you know, maybe a true movie should have explored. Like, how many times this woman had been to jail 
prior to this time. How a person at oh, this age sense. could be so uneducated like she was. You know, like there was shit that she, I guess, was fucking her, like one of her brothers at some point in her, her early yep. life, like in her teenage years. Mm-hmm. You know, she was living with a grandfather, and like, you know, the grandfather had a buddy that was supposedly fucking her and impregnated her. She ended up marrying like some 60-something-year-old dude when she moved to Florida at like age 20-something. Oh, yeah. Like all of these are things that all like all led to the person that we're seeing in this movie that like the way this movie paints her is like oh she was just so down on her luck she was tired of just sucking dick and and fucking dudes for twenty dollars a hit that uh she was going to kill herself unless she found a miracle and that miracle happened to be selby wall no, this is a person that was a career <laughs> criminal up until this point, exhibiting so many signs of mental illness and all of the things of all all the arguments of nature versus nurture are all here with her because this this woman shows you that it's both. You know, in her nature mm-hmm. she is fucking pre you know, pre designed to, to be the way she is, but her nurturing also did not aid it and led her down the wrong pathway. Sorry, oh, this really pissed me off I'm, with some of this stuff. Yeah, I'm telling you, it sucks. Especially the fucking voiceovers that she does, where she's like, you know, I did it for love, because, you know, Hope's got to win in the end after all. I'm like, fuck you. You fucking killed seven people because you just fucking wanted their money. Like, there's a, you know, <laughs> like, stop doing the fucking sympathy thing. Um, and, again, this is a perfect example. She's eventually forced by a cop to give her a blowjob because he's like, oh, you're, you're causing a nuisance. Then he parks her in a parking garage, and he's like, all right, get to sucking. They'll let you off. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sad. He fucking has to do it. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's like, you know, and then we find out that she tells Selby that she killed Vincent. But it was totally in self-defense. I had to do it. It had to be done. It was either me or him. And she's like, well, I mean, it's only one person. I mean, one person's not that bad. I mean, it was, it, it, don't do two. Don't do two. One's fine. Keep it at one. And we're fine. I'll stay with you. But eventually, she's desperate for money. Eileen returns to prostitution. She robs and kills her Johns, killing them in brutal ways with a gun. Um, then she eventually comes across Vance Pruitt Howard, my man, big dude with the eyes. <laughs> Another character actor. Poor guy. Just never had sex before. Never did it with a, a hooker before. And she throws him a fucking freebie. Well, not a freebie because she takes his money, but she gives him a hand job. So he kind of got off, you know, so he's like, I'm not going to die. I'm just going to get a quick Andy from this fucking woman in the woods. Well, that's the funny thing is, like, he, he has no idea that, like, you know, like, he is he has come this close to to, to his, his, his face yeah, yeah. Uh, at the death mm-hmm. of this woman's hands. But, uh, but yes, I, I always enjoy seeing him. You know, he does. He's got, like, a, an, incom- an uncomfortable demeanor about him. It's that shifty eye thing that he's, he's constantly got. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, he's one of those actors that whenever I see him in something, I'm like, oh, cool. I love seeing this guy. But, uh, always. but yeah, you know, like I, I, I was thinking she was just, this was going to be showing us her not having any kind of sympathy at all and that she was going to just like mm-hmm. wipe this guy, you know, out. But, uh, but no, no, she, uh, she just gives him that, that, that free handy, but. <laughs> yeah, she takes his money. So, you know, I yeah, mean, well, for some reason she free. Didn't... No, no, free. <laughs> I mean, for some reason she gives it to him and lets him go. Uh, but we also see that there's some cracking in the relationship between Selby and Eileen 
because somebody wants to go out. You know, Eileen sleeping all the time, always coming home with a different car for some reason from her friend Thomas, who has an endless supply of cars that she never questions. So eventually, yeah, she it's just like wow, to go out. <laughs> you know, with, with she decides to go out, no questions asked. She's drinking. I'm like, oh, she's going to get pulled over. No, she's not. She's going to go to a dike bar and hang out with a bunch of girls and be like, I'm friends with all these people now. Like, I don't really need Eileen anymore. I don't feel like I have to. Um, and that's when, again, we have to have that whole scene where Selby meets up with her friends at Fun World, and Eileen's like, oh, gee, she has friends now. She doesn't need me. I guess I'll just ride the go-karts for a little while. Maybe she'll notice me. And that's exactly what she fucking does, just rides the go-karts around while Selby's having a great time. Hey, you want to go on the, uh, the Ferris wheel? It's really high up, and I know you have the fear of heights. Okay, cool. That's and then they just sit together. And don't forget, you know, yeah. we're, we're, t- we're taking her on the Ferris wheel because this is where the fucking name of the movie comes from. It's from the fucking Ferris wheel. It's just such a missed opportunity because they could have started playing wild horses and she could have gotten finger banged on the fucking, you know, no, Ferris wheel. No, 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 it's, it, is not, it, it, is, it is not fear. <laughs> should have been. We could have had should've been. moments. This is, all fictionalized. <laughs> this, this is all so fictionalized anyway. They should have had, like, with this whole jealousy going on, they should have had a moment in which, like, afterwards... You know, Eileen goes and, like, goes up to, like, the one girl that she was kind of, like, the pretty girl that, like, Selby was kind of, like, trying to flirt, be flirty with. Oh, and, like, yeah, stuff, like, you know, like, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Eileen, like, kind of threatens her or whatever, you know, feeling like Selby's trying to ditch her for, uh, ditch her for, for fucking green. A pastures. younger model. But then that, but then that chick was <laughs> like, yo, this, there's, my, there's my ex, you know, and it's a chick, so, so we know what's up, and she's like... I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to her. And then the other two didn't feel well. So they were just going to go finger bang somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to have a whole muck party. <laughs> and y'all want to go down where the party is? No, thank you. We don't want to have your fucking weird girl's uh, girlfriend come over here. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, I, already, I already threw her up off the tilt I don't need any more. <laughs> Why are teeth stuck together? Why does she ever open her mouth when she talks? <laughs> <laughs> so during this time after a fun world and everything is kind of... Oh, it's Eileen. <laughs> so, well, all this fun is happening at Fun World and everything is happening. You know, of course, Eileen's mad at Selby for like spending all their money and just not being really kind of safe with it. You know, you're always taking out that fucking car. Why do you always have to fucking take a car out? And she's like, I just want to have fun. She's like, yeah, you know what? Fucking shit's getting real. I'm going to have a drink. Look at all my newspaper clippings. She's like, what is this? And she's like, murders. And she's like, but you said you only did one. This is like several. Yeah, well, I'm a good (laughs) motherfucking person. I'm a good person. I do shit because I'm good. And she's like, all right, that's cool. Like, I don't, I don't, you keep shouting at me that you're a good person, but you've killed a lot of people. <laughs> don't mind that. I'm a good person. We have a real shot of life here, Selby. Me and you, it's time to go. And she's like, uh, uh, okay. Just don't stop yelling at me. You tell me I'm a good person over and over again. <laughs> I was like, I can only imagine this is what the Academy is like. This is it. This is the award she's going to win for this performance right here. Where she's just shouting, I'm a good person after murdering several people. 
<laughs> yeah. Have a good oh my Thursday. God. Like... <laughs> okay, now eat God. another Twinkie. Okay, because you know what? If those people weren't meant to die, then they wouldn't be dead. I see her, you know, that's funny, but I actually do see her rationale there. Um, or again, mm-hmm. I, can, I can see how a mentally ill person is going to make that rationale. Um, you know, and again, based on her experiences, uh, you know, if there is bad in everybody, and and I'm not talking to, to, you know, the actual person, I'm talking the character in this movie, because this is what we're talking mm-hmm. about. But if they, are, yeah. or if they mm-hmm. are rationalizing that everybody is capable of bad, then, you know, from, from their own experience, then yes, I can see where they're going to sit there and say, you know, this person is a bad person, they would... They were already looking to cheat on their wives with me, a hooker, in their car. You know, they were doing this. They were doing that. They could be rapists, you know, like the the guy who's like, call me daddy, you know, all that, you know. Yeah. That was a fucking funny one, though, when she's like, oh, yeah. you fuck your children? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> he gets all offended. He's, he gets, like, mad. He's like, Say what? I don't know. Like what? He's like, no. I just, you know, it's like a, a sex thing. Like, call me daddy or whatever. Forget about it. Forget about it. Just puts on his eyeglasses <laughs> and just starts staring out the window. And she's like, fine. I'll call you. I'll call you daddy. Do you like that? Do you like that when I call you daddy? Then immediately just, he just I'll fucking just fuck sticks in his hand. And he's like, all right, come over here and suck it. <laughs> I was like, man, three sixty in that guy. Two seconds ago, he's just staring out the window. All of a sudden, he's licking the palm of his hand. He's fucking getting ready. Man, well, it's, it's don't not, close your eyes. It's dude. not like we're don't fucking. It's close not like we're really comp- It's not like we're really complex creatures. <laughs> the wind shifts and we're ready. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with a very questionable looking hooker in a fucking car. I'm not closing my eyes to jerk off. I'm making direct eye contact the entire time. Uh, I don't care because you don't know if they have a knife uh, or a I gun. Would, Can't be sure. I would be way too honest here, man. You know, like I've I've had too many times with people similar to this person and. uh you know, uh, no, there's, there's certain things that, that, you know, in hindsight you look at and you're like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Like, what, why would I even have, could've like, yep. yeah, totally, could have could have gotten killed, <laughs> easy yep. enough. And, uh, and, 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 yeah, thankfully it, it did never happen, but, uh, no, nah, man, no, nah, you don't close your eyes. You don't stop looking at them. Nope. You, uh, nope. you, you handle your business and you... And you, you move the fuck on. Please, I told you about that one hooker that lied about what she looked like when she came to my motel room that time, and she stole my beer and cigarettes. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't care. Listen, uh, I was like, I don't care, man. Listen, I'm, I'm making eye contact with you the entire time, so if you have any weapons, I can see. But no, you want my beers? Go ahead. You want some cigarettes? Go ahead. I was like, just the faster you get out of here, the better. Because you, you, you're definitely 200 pounds heavier than what your, your ad said. I don't, know, I don't know what happened between now and then. She had car trouble. It was a whole thing. It was, it was a weird fucking night. They did the old switcheroo on you. That's what they did. Oh, that's exactly what they did. I'm looking at the fucking ad. I'm looking at her. I'm like, what happened? You get what you get, honey. Like, All right. Yeah, I'm kind of horny enough as it is. <laughs> yep, take one for the team. <laughs> did it get but my like what the, balls? The was saying. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what she sounded like, too. It was bad. It was really fucking bad. I was like, oh, man. I was like, she's got more bass in her voice than I do. She had a vagina. You need your cold bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw that she had a vagina. She didn't have a penis. So I was kind of, 
I was kind of relieved at that. Like when she took off her, you know, her skirt, there was just nothing there but a vagina. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, yep. I'm good. I'm good. This is okay. This is okay now. Your voice is pretty deep, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing down there, <laughs> you know. Um, but so, but like the girl was saying, uh, Eileen kind of makes an argument when she takes this next guy out to the woods. Um, she just assumes that all men want to rape women. She hates men. And she explains why, and it's because of, like, past things that have happened to her, you know, rape, and, you know, you could be at home fucking your wife, and you're out here trying to fuck me. So the guy's like, all right, I'm going to get dressed if you don't mind, and, you know, if you need a ride someplace, I'll take you. It's no big deal. But she's like, you know what, I'll take myself, motherfucker, and fucking kills him. Shoots him dead, you know, so she could take his money in his car, but, uh uh-oh, he's a cop. That's not good. Oh, shit. Running back to the motel. So anyway, Selby can't explain, but we need to go right away. <laughs> Why? You know, does it have anything to do with the reports on TV about the recent murders? <laughs> yeah, no, can't what explain. We reports can talk with. on TV? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, the one that everybody is watching right now? So later that night, Eileen's on the road, and she gets picked up by, oh, hey, it's Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead. It's Herschel. Poor Herschel. Can't catch a break. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'll take you wherever you need to go. And she's like, here's a picture of my kids. And he's like, oh, that's nice. But she's used that as a tactic in the past. So she makes him pull over so she can get out. And he discovers that she has a gun. She makes him drive to a field where she has him get out. And he's begging for his life. And he's like, come on, I, you know, I got a daughter. And she's going to have kids. And you, know, you don't really need to do this. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, oh, thank God. She's like, I can't let you live. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> she pulls out the gun Fuck. and immediately kills him. Poor fucking Scott Wilson, although a very good looking Scott Wilson for 2003 compared to what we eventually see with Herschel. And look at Scott Wilson. He could get some. Aww. He could break off something. I always thought he was a good looking older fella, man. Don't, don't mess with him. No, bro. even here. No, I'm saying he looked good for this movie. I was like, oh, he could get it. Like, you know. I mean, as, as Santa, you know, Walking Dead, I was like, oh, you just want to sit on his lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. But that's Scott Wilson in 2003. Yep, yep, he's, he's getting some chicks. He'll find a way. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can't because he's dead in this movie. So um, we discover that Selby is going to be going back to Ohio on a charter bus. Um, and on the night of Eileen's arrest, she's approached at a biker bar she frequents by two strangers who, unbeknownst to her, are bounty hunters, one played by Kane Hodder. I was like, hey, Kane! Kane Hodder! (laughs) It was cool to see him out of fucking makeup, and I was kind of wishing he'd be like, my name's Jason. (laughs) I was like, that would be fucking cool. (laughs) No, his name is is KJ. Um, Thomas, played by Bruce Dern, who we saw earlier in the movie, who's always had a kind of soft spot for Eileen um, as the only friend that she had, tries to get her outside, and he's like, you know what? We need to have a conversation. And then he's like, you know what? You need to go over the fucking fence. You need to leave. And she's like, wait, man. I'm waiting for my girl to call me. I can't go fucking nowhere, you fucking perv. Because all of a sudden she thinks that he's trying to, like, hit on her. And she doesn't understand why. Not you, Thomas. Not you, motherfucker. Not you. I'm a friend I have. Like, you know, and he's like, I'm not she doing anything. She dick to keep the fucking, the fucking bin that she was using. <laughs> yeah. Earlier in the movie, so, of she was at the fucking uh, storage yep. unit, you know, and she's like, I'll blow you. Yep, she was. Yeah, with the ham sandwich and the beer, and he's like, no, I'm fine. Like, the entire time, he's like, I don't want fucking anything from you. I'm just being nice. 
So then when he tries to be really nice, all of a sudden she's like, I don't fucking trust anybody. Get your hands off me, old man. You know, she's just all over the place, and she just needs to find change so she can call her girlfriend. So eventually the two bounty hunters lure Eileen out of the bar, and she's like, you got a dime? And he's like, I don't know if I got a dime, but I'm heading to Orlando. All of a sudden Kane Hodge is like, ha, ha, fucking arrest her. That's right, Kane, you get that bitch. (laughs) Kane has her in cuffs. Mm Mm-hmm. What's funny is this is, you know, as much as, like, this movie has fictionalized a lot of things, this actually wasn't far from the reality of how what they happened, did yeah. end up arresting her. They did have a uh, an undercover in there with her and uh, or an informant or whatever, and he did lure her out. Yep. And uh, as, as she was lured out, they were going towards the car or whatever. Cops did come in, and uh, and the informant, actually, he, he kept playing the role. Uh, they started giving him yeah. shit, and, uh, you know, he started, like, fighting back and arguing with them. But meanwhile, he knew completely, like, she was getting busted and that, like, you know, it really wasn't anything on him. So it was uh, – it, there is video footage of it, which is uh, which is interesting. You know, I advise anybody, if you, if you did find this movie to be interesting, to definitely at least go go look up some of the real footage and the real stuff that happened and, and watch the real interviews and uh, – and yeah, you'll, you'll you'll see that there are stark stark differences between the reality and, and what this film show you. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think anybody, even if you didn't like the movie, check out the real interviews with Eileen Warnos and the documentaries because it it really is interesting. Um, and that bar that she was caught at, the Last Resort, is still open for business in Volusia County in Florida. So you can actually go there, and there are the bartenders there will tell you all about her arrest and how she was caught there and stuff like that. It's a it's a dive. It's a biker bar, but. Still, if you know if you want yeah, to get the but, truth but back, also, uh, yeah, yeah, and also the, like the uh, actual bartender that was going on and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, he's there as the bartender in the movie too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, real mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get an Oscar. I don't know why he didn't get an Oscar. He was actually fucking there. Give that guy a fucking award. <laughs> yeah. Here's your award. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Best fucking bartender, bartender I've ever seen. <laughs> Fucking method acting. <laughs> it's like you almost were a bartender at one point. Actually, I was. Wow. Wow, you really take your crap seriously, sir. <laughs> Goddamn right. Um, so later, after her arrest, Eileen speaks to Selby one last time while in jail. Selby reveals some things about money, and that's when Eileen realizes that the police are listening in. And to protect Selby, Eileen admits that she committed the murders alone. And during Eileen's trial, Selby testifies against her with Eileen's consent. And then, of course, we have, you know, the very soft soft music, the very kind of just shots on Christina Ricci on the stand, and then, of course, to Eileen. And then we see her walking down the hallway. And once again, we get the voiceover about hope and about life and about love. And then we find out that Eileen was convicted of the murders and sentenced to death on October 9, 2002, Eileen is executed by lethal injection. But I do love the fact that she just stands up in court as this fucking soft music is playing. She's like, fuck you, judge. Fuck you. Fuck everybody in here. I fucking hate all you motherfuckers. I'm like, yep, that, that, that's the soft music playing right now. You know, trying to like show her in like a soft light. Meanwhile, she's like, suck my dick, judge. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's... And that's uh, the way you want to go out on, you know, um, you know, leading down the hallway. I mean, I think the Joker had a better hallway scene, if you ask me. And I thought, well, King Phoenix did a lot better walk down the hallway than she did. But, you know, it's, it's, 
to the death she goes. And, yeah, again, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like they, I don't like glamorizing serial killers. I never have. I don't like having sympathy for them because you shouldn't. You know, I mean, if you're interested, definitely read up on their history and what made them tick. But at the same time, if you're feeling any softness for Eileen Warnos, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't tell you. I mean, it, it's fair. Your feelings are valid, but at the same time, I think you need to check them. You need to kind of really read up on Eileen Warnos and who she was because she was an unforgiving serial killer. You know, this, there's no, you know, and I know when the movie came out, they're like, what about the fucking families? of, like, the people she killed. Like, you know, where's the justice for them? Like, these guys weren't criminals. You know, they, they were businessmen. They were older men. They were in their 40s and 50s and 60s. They just wanted to get the dick sucked. Oh, they didn't oh, to get their head shot man, off. Listen, mm-hmm. you are promoting prostitution, which is illegal. So, the, in Florida. It be. So, therefore... I'm not I'm, I'm not debating whether it should or shouldn't be. But you're saying these men are not criminals. They are. They are under the law promoting yes. criminal activity. So, yes. you know, deserving yeah. of death, absolutely not. You know, deserving of, right. uh, of you know being put in a Getting movie in which the the person that the person that murdered them is, is being shown as a lovesick puppy. Nah, nah. I, I definitely feel for the families there. I would have been upset. Yeah, you know, and that's, it goes back to the whole thing again about Ted Bundy and about how they make all these movies about Ted Bundy, but they never make any movies about the victims or they never really kind of mention the victims in any kind of light. And these were people, you know, that deserved recognition you know, for who they were as people. Um, and like you said, well, you know, yeah, they're, they're committing a criminal act, prostitution, it's illegal, you know, but it's not like they, they are, are butchering people or robbing people or doing things of that nature. They just you know, looking to do having a sex act upon them. So it's kind of one of those things, like you said, doesn't deserve death. You know, jail time maybe. I mean, you know, if you get caught. You know, but, you know, not, not death. Um, <laughs> and it's just a shame that they, they, they do this, um, you know, with the, the conversation. But either way, I mean, it's check out the real shit. <laughs> like Google said, you know, check out the, the real kind of YouTube videos and documentaries out there about her. And then kind of watch Monster and kind of have the same reaction we did, which is like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> With, you know, portraying her as a, a victim. Like, somebody just needed a fucking hug and a fucking cookie and a milkshake. I don't know. <laughs> this is what it made seem. I don't know why, but they did. Ah, but either way, you know, like I said, that was Monster from 2003. Uh, next week on the show, the Dean will be back, but he'll only be a part of, I guess, the first hour because he's going to be going to see Christine uh, on the big screen, so hopefully he has fun doing that. So, of course, we had to do the fucking switcheroo, and it's going to have to be my pick. Switcheroo! So, it's a switcheroo. I'm going to go next week, and then the the, the team's going to take my spot. Uh, So, next week, we are going to be talking about 2022's Death Street, Dead Street, which is available on Shudder. It's a movie I picked last year for my top ten. Uh, it's still available on Shutter. Like I said, it was like a kind of last-second pick, so I've, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. Um, it's about a, a disgraced Internet personality who tries to win back his followers by going into a haunted house. Horror comedy, Deadstream, it's on Shutter. Uh, Monkey, you'll have no problem finding it. Um, but, yeah, I just want to have some fun, especially after this week's episode. I kind of just want to have some goofy fun about a haunted house and, and some shit that happens. So. 
we'll be talking about Deadstream uh, next week. So with that being said, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your thoughts on Monster, Bray Wyatt, Payback, all that in between. And we'll see you back here next week for Deadstream. All right, everyone. Thanks for letting me come in your ears. <laughs> and good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, Monkey. Sleep tight. This is Aline. No! <laughs> I'm going to talk so much. Don't forget to touch your teeth. Because that's what I do. All right. And Ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Okay. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Uh, I don't even have anything fun for this one, man. So enjoy your balls. Keep your eyes open when you get your dick sucked. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Unless unless she looks like Eileen here in this movie, because then you probably want to close your eyes and. Oh, oh, come on, Eileen. We're still going to keep them open. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think she's been come on enough, but no. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to do it then, too. Because then you just don't know, because you're like, what is she reaching for? So you got to make sure then. You might not be comfortable with it, but you'll feel better in the long run. You know that she didn't pull out a gun and shoot you during the middle of it. Because that's just an awful story. Well, how'd you die? I got shot in the middle of a blowjob. Oh, that sucks. Oh, shit, you too? <laughs> <Thought it'd> be... <laughs> oh, man. You from Florida? Oh, blowjob Are buddy you from Florida, life? too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Thing. You know the ghoul can jump off of here after this and look up all the balder gate penis that he can. I'm excited for him, man. I'm really excited to find out how much penis is in this game. Length, girth, size. Like, are they tattooed? Find, are they different colors? I will find all that dick. <laughs> See, that's what Baldur's Gate Three comes in. All the penis that you can have. Baldur's Gate Three. In the store near you. Check out the penis. Baldur's. Coming. Baldur's. <laughs> this was Baldur's. <laughs> yeah, Baldur's. <laughs> That's a different kind of porn that we can't talk about because it's underage shit. <laughs> we keep that to ourselves. Oh, 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 Baldi's. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Baldi's Gate, you can't talk about that. That's. Big no no. <laughs> but as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. And we'll see you back here next week with my film pick of the week, Deadstream from 2022. But until then, hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. And as always, follow the buzzards. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>